Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Read verses 1 through 21. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone that is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you did not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except for he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Let's pray. God, we do ask that you uh, would bless us now, that we might know uh, what it means to be born of you, to have your spirit working in us, to have the life that Christ here promises in the text. May you uh, conform our minds, change us, uh, help us to experience you as, as we uh, come before your word together today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Jimmy shared a story, I believe it was John 1, of a hiking trip that he had in college. And I similarly had a hiking trip uh, that I went on my junior year of college uh, that was similarly unsuccessful, uh, but in a much more dramatic way. Uh, we were hiking uh, at, at uh, just down the road in, in uh, 64 Rockfish Gap. And we were going to go out to Crabtree Falls, which is about a 50-mile hike. Uh, on the AT, and, and we were going to um, uh, do it over the course of five days. Well, the first night we went out, we hiked six miles, uh, and it snowed six inches. Uh, and this was in March. Uh, it was not supposed to snow. We're supposed to have, you know, fine weather, much like today. Uh, it snowed six inches. 
Uh, we camped out that night. We made it through. Uh, the snow melted the next day. And we went on this hike with, with a Boy Scout. Listen, Nathan, a uh, Boy Scout from Virginia Beach who, who had a very uh, uh, old and outdated trail map. And we just hiked like all, it was like nine hours until darkness. And, and my, my friend who was leading us, the Boy Scout from Virginia Beach, was like, there's supposed to be this campground up here. I know it's coming. And, and we, we finally made it. At the end of the day, all worn out to this campground, and, we, and, and then it got freezing cold, and the wind started blowing again. We just said, we, we can't do this anymore. Uh, so one of our friends with us uh, called up his dad the next morning, and we got picked up on the um, Skyline Drive, and we were just like, we're done. We're, we're off. We're, we're out of this trip. Uh, and, and it ended an epic failure. Uh, and I share that story to say that, that a similar thing is happening here as, as we come to John chapter 3, uh, that... that as, as Nicodemus comes to Christ, he is kind of confused, disillusioned, in a sense, like I was on the AT, lost. And he's wondering, okay, where is God at work in the world? And, that, and that's a lot of times the place we find ourselves. Where is God at work in my family? Where is he at work when, when I walk into the office? When, it, when I go to where God has called me in my vocation to the classroom? Where is God at work in my marriage? And oftentimes we feel this sense of disillusionment, of confusion, of, of being lost. And maybe like me, we want to just give up. We want to say, you know what? We can't do this Christian walk. We can't really live this life of faith. This is too challenging for us. And that's where Nicodemus comes to Jesus. He's saying, okay, God, I don't understand these things about you, what you're doing in the world what you're doing around me. And what we see unfolding in this text is that Jesus offers us hope in that place of confusion, in that place of disillusionment. That what's at the center of this passage is that Jesus offers us hope and comfort when we are lost. And he does that by imparting to us his grace, and we see that here in the text in three different ways. We see that Jesus offers us his grace by giving us his spirit. Jesus offers us his grace by sacrificing for us. And Jesus offers us his grace by giving us this new life, by letting us walk in, in the light and not in the darkness. So we want to look at those three things together uh, this morning. Jesus offers his grace by giving us his spirit. He offers us his grace by sacrificing for us. And he offers us his grace by letting us walk in the light. So first, he offers us his grace by giving us his spirit. Where do we see that in the text? As this situation, as this scene uh, unfolds, we see Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. And again, as we just said in the introduction, he's confused about, okay, what is Jesus doing? You know, we had this scene at Cana. We had Jesus standing up in the temple, and, and he's being exposed to the Son of God. But he's wondering, okay, what's going on here? And he comes to him with some questions. And Jesus begins to answer Nicodemus's questions. He's confused about what Jesus is doing. And he says to him, okay, I know that you must be from God because no one can do these signs. But what exactly is going on here? And we notice that Jesus, in answering his question, kind of muddies the water a little bit, doesn't he? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again... He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, Nicodemus, like us, is obviously confused 
by what Jesus is saying. He's saying, how can someone go back into their mother's womb if they've already been born? How can they go back a second time? And then Jesus goes into this whole discourse on what it means to be born of the Spirit. And he says, essentially, unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Now, what, what Jesus begins to disclose for us is, is really three things about this point of being born of the Spirit. He's saying that this birth from the Spirit is, is not something that we can do by ourselves. There's actually this uh, theme that's going on in the text where Jesus and Nicodemus are exchanging around this idea of this word to do. In Greek, it's the word dunomai. And six times they're going back and forth talking about what we can do and what we cannot do. And similarly, Jesus is saying that what we can't do is, is we can't make ourselves be born again. We can't make ourselves be born. So what God is doing with the Spirit is something that's not our power, but His power. And finally, He says with this analogy of the wind, as the wind's blowing my papers around here, this is not something I control. I can see it happening, but I have no control over that. And that's what Jesus wants us to know here about being born of the Spirit. He's saying, this is not something we have power over. This is something that must happen to us. It's something that is happening like the wind blowing that we have no control over where God is working and what he's doing. And that kind of can leave us in a place of a little bit of discomfort. I heard a story this week uh, from uh, Pastor Timothy Keller uh, in New York City, Redeemer Presbyterian Church. And he was uh, on a, a missions board um, as they were interviewing people who were going out to plant churches. And he says, as these people were coming in and sharing their testimonies, every single one of the people who came into the room would share a testimony, something like this. You know, I was, grew up in a Christian household. Uh, I didn't know God growing up. And then in college, all of a sudden, you know, the lights turned on and, and I understood who God was for the first time. And after about the seventh or eighth person comes through, all the committees looking around at each other and saying, you know, what kind of churches are these people growing up in? They're not hearing the gospel. What's going on? And one of the older pastors in the room, he said, he, he said you know, you guys got to realize something. He said, I, I too didn't come to Christ until I was in college and I grew up in a, in a Christian household. And I even, you know, read books, you know, books on the Bible, read through the Bible. But it wasn't until someone shared the gospel with me just at, at, at another time that the lights flicked on. And, and like Jesus is saying to us here in the text, unless we are born again, there's just some things we're not going to understand about God. There's some things that we will totally miss. Unless we're born again, unless Jesus does a new work in us by his spirit to give us that vision, to let us see the gospel clearly by renewing us, by regenerating us by his spirit, we're just going to miss some things. And what should that mean for, for us, Resurrection Community Church, application-wise? If this is how God is at work, how should we respond? And the reality is, we should respond by praying to God, by trusting in Him, by trusting Him with our children, with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with our church. Because at the end of the day, we're totally dependent on who God is and what He's doing. We're totally dependent on Him for our anxieties, for our stresses, for everything. And so we need him to be at work. But the good news that's in this text is that the, that the one who is in control is the one who sacrifices himself for us. And that's what we turn to next, that Jesus says 
at the end of this, or sorry, at the, at the middle of this, uh, as Nicodemus asks, okay, how, how do these things work? How does this life of the Spirit work? How does this new birth work? And Jesus takes Nicodemus and us to the cross. He says, you want to know how this life, this new birth, this light works. Well, it happens at the cross. Because at the cross, Jesus takes the penalty for our sin away. And he gives us this new life that we are now promised in Christ. And and he does that by first stopping off at this story that Nicodemus knows well, and maybe we're a bit unfamiliar with, the story from Numbers 21, where the people of Israel, as they always were, were complaining against God in the wilderness. And so God sends these venomous snakes, and they come out and they start biting the people. Uh, and I forgot my prop today, but, but if you can imagine, if I had my, my stake in my, in my snake here, what God says to Moses, he says, hey, take this, this snake and make this bronze uh, emblem in, in the midst of the, in the, midst of the um, community. And it's not that image that we always think, uh, you know, when we see healthcare signs of a snake wrapped around a pole. It's a snake that has been speared through. It's a snake that's dead. It's a snake that God is saying, what, what could have happened to you is happening to this snake. The penalty that you deserve is coming upon this snake. And Jesus says, he's going to do that same thing for us. He's going to take our penalty, our death, and our place as he's crucified on the cross for us. And, and, and then he gives us the reason why. He says, for God so loves the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is the reason for God's sacrifice. This is the reason for his love. Because he loves us, that he would give us this new life, that he would give us this grace. Because he loves us, he invites us into this new birth. And the question for us is, okay, but what does that mean to really experience the sacrifice of Christ? There's a story I heard uh, recently about two brothers. And these two brothers were were playing on the riverbanks in China. And these riverbanks, they would have these silt deposits if the river was flooded, but it it would hide all of this corrosion that was in the shores there. And so these brothers are playing on the riverbanks, as you can imagine, just running up these these mounds of silt deposits. And then what happens is they run up the mound, they sink in like quicksand. Well, at the end of the day, uh, when the brothers didn't come home, uh, their parents come out and they look for them down by the river. And they find the younger brother, and only his head is exposed above the surface. And they say, where is your older brother? And he says, I'm standing on his shoulders. And that's what Jesus does for us through his sacrifice. He he lifts us up and allows us to have this new life because of what he has first done for us. Jesus, our older brother, brings us into this new life because he gives his life first in our place. He gives himself in order that we might have a full and complete life. We might have a new life because of his grace and his mercy and his love for us. And the final point where Jesus turns to then in the text is, okay, so what does it mean to have this new life? What does it mean to experience the sacrifice of Christ? And Jesus says, what it means is that we now have no condemnation and we get to walk in the light. 
Although we once loved darkness, although that was our way of life, Jesus says, because of his love, because of his grace, because of the spirit that he gives us, we can now walk in this newness of life. And the question for us is, okay, so, so what exactly does that look for? As we live as citizens of this kingdom, how does that change my relationship with my children? How does that change my relationship with my coworkers? How does that change my relationship with my spouse? How does that change my relationship with my neighbors, with my church? An example for that, uh, uh, we, you know, um, we recently, as becoming members of this church, moved out here. I, I never knew uh, that, that it was in, in my blood to, to you know, own a farm or, or be a farmer. And I just have chickens, so it's not, not that extravagant, right? Uh, maybe one day Becca will convince us to get a goat or something. Uh, but, but it was always in my wife's blood uh, that she wanted to, to have a farm. I didn't know that always. Uh, didn't sign up for that in marriage. Uh, but we love it. Uh, but it was always in her blood. And, and, and in the morning when she wakes up and, and there's the stress of life and children and school and, and everything, she says she puts on her boots and she walks outside and she takes care of the chickens, and, and in putting on the boots, it, it gives her this energy, it gives her this strength, it gives her this renewal, that this is what I'm really made to do. And that's what Jesus is saying through us in this idea of his sacrifice. That's what Jesus is saying through us in this new life. He's saying he's giving us this privilege as children of God to put on this new identity, to walk into this light to, as it were, put on those boots and realize our place in this world. That as we go out to the Navy or to Starbucks or to wherever God has called us, to the classroom, to teach or to work, to our homes with our children and our families, with our spouses, that God says we can do so in this new identity that is given to us by the sacrifice of Christ, that is paid for by his love, and that is marked by this new reality of his mercy and his grace wherever we go. In other words, Jesus is saying that we now have this unique ability to bring the church to the world, and we can bring the world back into the church. And that's our hope in John 3. That's the calling that Jesus gives to us. That's this renewal that he promises us. That's this life that's laid by his sacrifice for us. He says, we are now invited to be part of this kingdom. We are now invited to live in the light. And how do we do that? We, we receive his grace. We live by his love, and we look forward to his mercy and experience that with others. Let's close in prayer. God, we do ask that you would truly bless us as your church this day. Uh, Lord, even as we are about to uh, receive your table, receive uh, the results of your, your sacrifice for us, your, your blood and your body. Uh, Lord, may you renew our lives and spirits that we might live for you and everywhere that you've called us to. Uh, Lord, we lift up your name this day and ask that you would fill us by your grace. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.